Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Amen. Well, we are uh, wrapping up our musical chairs series. If you were with us back um, on Easter Sunday, this is when we kicked this off, and we've been looking at this idea that that so many times life, the truth is, is life can just feel like this mad dash to just to just take care of yourself, to just make sure you're covered, your family's covered, your loved ones are covered, and you know what? Somebody's going to miss out, but it's not going to be you and yours. And we get into this whirlwind of just trying to take care of ourselves, and that is not what life is supposed to be at all. It's supposed to be about resting in Christ, about trusting what he has done. And guess what? There is no shortage of blessing. God doesn't have just a little bit he's doling out, and you better jump in line and get yours before it runs out. No, there is no shortage. God does not have a a shortage, a a lack uh, at all. There is grace and provision and life and love for everyone. And our role is to embrace that in our lives and to point people in that same direction. But the thing is, if we get caught up in the whole musical chairs thing, that somehow there's just not quite enough for you, and maybe you're going to get left out. The problem is when that little mentality seeps in there, well, then all of a sudden you begin to see the people in your life um, on some degree as opponents. That, yeah, we're doing life together, and when it's all said and done, um, you know, I I like you and we're cool, but if push comes to shove, um, maybe we're just a little bit, in a place of of being opponents here. And that is not what God has called us to do. So today as we're wrapping this series up, we're going to look at what it looks like to live life differently and to genuinely play together. Not as opponents, not as grinding against one another, but as teammates in this. As we've been set in the body of Christ and working on this thing together. Because always being in opposition, well that That's a heavy burden, and and that'll make us weary. And Jesus spoke to that in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Folks, we've got some things to learn. This is not intuitive for us. Doing it his way, resting in what he has done is not our natural tendencies. We tend to want to gravitate back to that grind of the race. And so we got to learn a different way of doing things. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And that's so good that our master, our Lord, is gentle. We are not coming to him because we're fearful that he's going to crack the whip on us. He's gentle, and we can come to him and trust him. He's gentle and humble in heart, and we'll find rest for our souls for his yoke is easy, his burden is light. And the truth is, is we find a lot of the weariness in our lives comes out of this place of comparison. And comparison has always been a problem. Comparison has always been an issue. We can honestly take it back to the, first, to the place of, of the first murder, 
where we go back to the original family of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. And Cain and Abel are both, they're both trying to do some sort of sacrifice worship to God here. And, and Abel takes the first fruits and, and takes, takes, his, uh, takes there his lamb and, and gives it. And Cain, who's a, who's a farmer and whatnot, he says in, in the course of time, when he finally got around to it, he gives some of his grain and God individually accepted Cain's, I mean, accepted Abel's and did not accept Cain's. And instead of Cain saying, okay, Lord, teach me, show me, what do I need to do? How do I need to, to, to correct this? He just gets mad from a place of comparison at Abel to the point that he actually takes a rock and kills his brother over it. That this place of comparison can, can get into us. It's not Instagram related. It's not Facebook related. It's not somebody else's TikTok deal got more views than mine and now I'm all in a twist. It is not social media related. It is from a place that this is ingrained in our sin nature. This is ingrained in our sin nature. Yes, it can be exacerbated by the different people and the different things we see on social media. But the comparison thing has been there all along. And we have to squash that. Or else it is going to just mess up our lives. And so um, right now I I just want to send an apology, a blanket apology to all of the wonderful Karens in the world. Karen, we love you. Karen, you're awesome. Karen, God loves you. And Karen, God has a great plan for your life. But for whatever reason, in the U.S., we have co-opted your name. And we make memes out of your name, Karen. And we're sorry, and I've never done it. But I'm going to quote one, and I'm not pointing at you. But anyways, in that, this comparison thing comes in, and I saw this meme that, that said, all right, uh, all right, simmer down, Karen. Um, there's no award for best quarantine mom. And so because you would see all of these posts of all of these, you know, moms having fun with their kids, doing their best, all of this different stuff. And, you know, they're doing the chalk art. They're, you know, you know, building on a she shed in the backyard, multi-level. And, you know, they're raising their own poultry and all this stuff, have a farm on the back. And, and you know, and most kids are just trying to not eat Play-Doh in everybody else's home. And, 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 and then you got this one mom who's just like killing it. And then this comparison thing comes in and then all of the other moms start sulking because they feel less than. And, and it's just this tension over and over and over again. And we find this. And, and any time we come back to the tension of comparison, we will find ourselves heavy burdened and weary. You can never walk the way Jesus has called you to walk if you allow comparison in your life. Because here's the truth, is the way Jesus is going to have you to go, there are going to be a lot of people that don't like it. There are a lot of people that don't understand it. There are going to be a lot of people that disagree with it. There are going to be a lot of people who either feel challenged, like you're trying to outdo them and outshine them. There are going to be people who are going to think maybe you could do something else with your life, more productive or whatever. And as long as you let any, even just a little bit of comparison in you, it will bring with it weariness. And a heavy burden with it. And so we have to let go of this place of comparison and competition right now. The only way we can really play together 
is when somebody else's win is also our win. When we see somebody else getting a win, we don't get jealous. We celebrate those wins. We have to do it. As a church, we celebrate when there's other churches in town that got great things happening and going on, which just excited. Why? Because it's a win for the kingdom. If there's a win for one, there's a win for all. And if there's, a, if there's pain for one, there ought to be this place of compassion and rallying together because there is pain for all. And see, because Jesus said that the whole Bible, the entire Bible, all of it can be summed up into these two phrases, love God and love others. The whole thing, all of this comes back to loving God and loving others. And this place is when we get caught into the world when all of a sudden love gets thrown out the window. When we're just trying to take care of ourselves. Matthew chapter 22, um, verse 35, says one of them, an expert in the law. Okay, So here's a guy who is known and understood as an expert in the law. says, tested him with this question, teacher... Which is the greatest commandment in the law, in his area of expertise? He was an expert in the law. So he wants to know what's the greatest one in the law. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. He's like, okay, now you give me too much. I just want to know what the number one one was. We can all kind of feel good about this one. You're about to all of a sudden make this real. Because he says, and the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And now he slides in the guy's expertise at him and says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Guess what? If you paid attention to the last few sentences I said, you are now an expert in the law. Because if you love God and you love others, everything else hangs on it. You got that? You're an expert in the law. You got it. It's covered. It all hinges on that right there. We have to now give our attention not to acquiring all this other stuff, but implementing what he's called us to do and who he's called us to be. Colossians chapter 2 verse 17 says, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The law and the prophets. That's what he's talking about. The, the, all of the, the previous things, they were a shadow of what's to come. They were to give us a hint. They were to give us a hint. You, you know, you sit there and you, you, you play hide and seek and you're, you're ready and you, you play. And, and if you're lucky, then this person that's coming has some light behind them. And you see their shadow and you know to be extra quiet. Why? Because if the shadow is coming, it's not them, but they're right behind it. They're soon going to show up. And then the real them is going to, but that shadow is connected. But you haven't been, it, it, this, but the shadow is, is an indication. See, they got all wrapped up in the shadow, but there was the real thing was coming. See, they were a shadow of what's to come. How, the reality, however, is found in Christ. When Jesus showed up, this was really what it was all pointing to all along. That's why we have to make sure that our, our, everything we stay focused on is learning about Jesus, knowing him better, and trusting him more. It's not about get 
understanding how to quote one more Bible verse. I want to be able to memorize one more Bible verse. I do. But not so that I can have that on my little spiritual belt. Why? Because that verse should reveal something to me of the, of the God who loved me and showed himself th- to me through Christ. And all of a sudden that becomes alive. It is this thing that I understand in a deeper way. And I, that verse helps me understand the reality. The shadow helps me recognize the real thing. That is what the whole point is about. We have to make sure that the, all of the, everything we look, it comes back to Jesus. If your Bible study isn't making Jesus bigger in your mind, you're doing it wrong. There's just no other way to put it. If the, your time in the scriptures isn't magnifying Jesus, isn't seeing, you're looking at them, you're dissecting them, you're, you're taking them apart, wrong. They're all there to reveal to us Jesus in a deeper way. And in Christ, all believers are connected. And this connection should be evident through our love for each other. Romans chapter 12, verse 5 says, So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We all belong to one another. We belong to one another. So therefore, that's why when one suffers, we all suffer. When one wins, we all win. Because we belong to one another. And guess what? If I, as a person, begin to repeatedly stab and, and poke and hurt my, hurt my arm, I can take care of everything else, love everything else, nurture everything else, but I deal with this arm. People are going to think I'm crazy. That there's something wrong with me. There's going to be a psych evaluation on me if I keep inflicting. Why? Because I ought to be loving and careful because it's mine and it's part of me. No wonder people on the outside see the body of Christ attacking it and say, oh, that's crazy. That's messed up. I don't know that I want to be a part of that. We have to begin to shift and to care for and love one another. And see, in the, and he said that the world would know. Let's look at this. John chapter 13 says, A new command I give you. Now remember we already said, he already said what was the, the number one commandments were. Love God and love others. That was at that point. But Jesus is now about to shift the gears. Because it was love your neighbor as yourself. He says, A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. Now it's not even our internal level of love that becomes a standard. It's Jesus becomes the standard of how we love. So now it's love God and love others like Jesus loved them. And he says, and <clears throat> so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, that is usually fairly easy to take in when you're in a group setting because we tend to connect and study the scriptures with people that we, for the most part, like pretty good. That, for the most part, have the same theology as us and doctrine as us. And so we, we tend to huddle together and we tend to study this and say, oh, yeah, it's the way I love the believers I love the most That's the way the world is going to know us. No, Jesus says, the world is going to know you're my disciples with the way you love 
each other, the other disciples. Not the ones that just go to your small group with you. Not the ones that just go to your church with you. Not the ones that are aligned the closest theology with you. But all of the believers. How do we deal with all the believers? With the ones who are worshiping down the street, who, who look at a scripture a little different than we do. All of a sudden, that begins to be how, and so, because we honestly, we, I think we wish that the world would know that we are his disciples by the way we love the world. You know what? Because the world doesn't know any better. They're just being goofy and, 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 and not doing things right because they're, they're not connected with God and they don't know any better. And so we can get ourselves in a place of compassion and go, you know what? Oh, bless your heart. You know, you just don't know any better and I can love you and have a compassion. Here's the problem. Our standard of love is how we love each other. All of a sudden, and how we love other believers. Well, this is now how we love people who ought to know better. These are people who sit in the pews with us or, or go to church with us or do these different things and they shouldn't be acting like that. I now feel justified in my anger. I now feel justified in my judgment. I now feel justified in that. Yeah, people on the outside of this, yeah, I get that. They haven't found God yet. They haven't connected with God. They haven't been, had the, the, the new life experience and so I can have a place of tolerance on that front. But man, I tell you what, they know better. They've been to church for the last 20 years and they, they ought to straighten up. That is where he's asked us to love. And that is how the world is going to know that we're his disciples, by how we love like that. That we sit there and we're constantly a spot. Constantly removing a chair and making the circle tighter and tighter and tighter. We're constantly finding chairs, bringing in chairs, saying, hey, you come sit by me. Hey, I'll sit by you. Hey, I understand you see this scripture a little different. You'll connect. Guess what? Because you know what? If you've called on the name and can number, it don't matter what was this name on your church on the outside or not, it don't that was, if you've called on Jesus, you're going to be there and we're going to spend eternity together. So we ought to start getting a little better at it. With that. Colossians. Of your faith in Christ. For all the saints. For all are most like you because we know that there were divisions we see that there were divisions there were people who had problems there were issues he had to deal with but there were a group of believers who says you know what yeah we disagree on this but i love you anyways the colossians were <clears throat> were in a place of that and their reputation went before them that is what God has called us to be and when we understand that we can rest in Jesus and it's not a competition anymore then we can all of a sudden we can love like we've never been able to love before and in that we're going to have to learn to be thankful for those who are adding their value to God this was a huge that that took place in my life while we were traveling um, and 
And, and I had ministered in this community um, prior to. I thought um, was an appreciation for the other churches in town. And uh, until as I began to travel and God began to deal with my own personal spiritual bigotry and just begin to uproot it. Idea that I, I looked down my nose at uh, churches here in this community that um, saw the scriptures differently than the way I saw them and the people that I fellowshiped with and connected with them um, saw them. And uh, anyways, and so one of the things that God really worked in my heart before he brought us back to San Angelo was to just root for the first time in my And genuinely thank God. Certainly, we do it. And wrong. And they may listen to a handful of my sermons and say that I'm preaching wrong. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by Him. And you know what? I am thankful. I am genuinely, truly thankful for their presence and what they're doing. Guess what? On any given Sunday, there's 80,000 people in this community that dark, don't darken the doorstep of a church or turn on a, a live stream. 80. Guess what? We're different than us. And we need to celebrate when, they, when people act our community. Why? It's because we've got to recognize. Um, oh, there's the this little access ramp over here on uh, um, as you get off of Knickerbocker and onto the loop. And years ago, I was coming off of Knickerbocker. I was doing that. Somebody uh, just whips out and just they just cut me off. And um, that soup like accelerate and get out of the way. They like cut me off slow. And so you got. And it's irritating to be goes into the asphalt thing to stop. Um, that's really irritating. And uh, my my lesser nature um, began to to come out. And uh, and so and I was just like, "You idiot, you moron!" And I'm just sitting there saying that in the car. And uh, anyways, and so immediately the the Holy Spirit just began to. Put me in check right there. And every time I get on that on-ramp, I am reminded every time I get on that on-ramp. And I do it a lot. The Holy Spirit told me, he said, um, that's my kid. Well, guess what? That's a line we use in the... That's why we have to get in one of them's face and say, you know what? That's my kid. And you need to just calm down. And the Holy Spirit used that exact same line with me. And we have to stuff wrong. They're going to do stuff. And we feel so justified. They're God's kids and he loves them. Jesus died for them. And if we don't begin to look at it that way, then I'm telling you, we're gonna, things are going to get missed. 1 Corinthians 1.4 says, I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. I love this line. I always thank God because of the grace he's given you. I, 
it could be a low-key little poke. It's like, uh, oh, when I think about you, I'm so thankful God's a gracious God. Because you need some grace. <laughs> Every time I think, oh, Lord, it's good you're gracious. And, and you know what? There's some people that are in your life that are that way. But that is where we need to come back to. That can become our baseline. Because when we understand God has grace for them, all of a sudden we can tap into that grace and we can have grace for them too. When we recognize God is a gracious God and God loves them and he's, what he's done in their lives, we can begin to let that same grace flow through us and into people's lives. There in 1 Corinthians 12, we see this beautiful imagery that the Holy Spirit uses through Paul's writing and tells us about what the, how the, the, we all connect together. It says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of many parts. It's of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, um, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Just as he wanted them to be. Where did the unrest come with the parts of the body? From a place of comparison. I, you know, I'm no I. I just don't even know why I'm here. Well, I'm no hand. I'm just, I'm just a foot. I just get walked on all the time. I just don't even know why I'm here. It's this place of comparison that begins to erode it. And we can't let that happen. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16 says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Continual gratitude is where this gets cultivated. It's just continuing to be grateful. And so with that, we should do everything for the strengthening of others while recognizing their value to God. 2 Corinthians 12, 19 says, have you been thinking all along that we've been defending ourselves to you? We've been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ. And everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. Everything we do. I'm not defending myself. I'm trying to strengthen you. That is what this is about. It's about strengthening because we understand this. Galatians chapter 3, 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. We're all sons. There is this hunger for us to be connected. There's this hunger in everybody to find this place of wholeness and reconnection with the Father. And if we will be able to continue to do that with one another and everyone that God brings into our lives, man, I tell you what, it is transforming. 
because there's this deep-seated place that so many people are hungry for that. One of my favorite stories I heard long ago was about a, a father in Spain in the early 1900s, and he'd had a fight with his son. And they, things got sideways, and the son ran away, and the son was named Paco. And Paco had, le- had left, and the father had tried to find him, and tried to find him, and tried to find him, and he couldn't find him, and he was just heartbroken about the way things had gone. So finally, in just this laser focus, he wanted to reconnect with his son. He goes there to Madrid, and he puts out an ad in the paper to, to just do some sort of blanket thing to reconnect, and, and he's just thinking about himself and his son. He's not thinking about all the other people in Madrid and all the other relationships that might exist, and he takes this ad out, and he says, Dear Paco, dear Paco, all is forgiven. Please come home. I will meet you on Saturday at noon in front of this paper, love your father. So the ad goes out. The father's there at noon on Saturday. And because he had just not thought about the commonness of the name and about the ache in person after person, he was blown away that there wasn't just his son. There were over 800 young men named Paco there to reconnect with their father. Sadly, 800 disappointed young Pacos because there's only one father looking for one son. But it just, that story just hits me every time, every time I think of it because there's just so much, this place of resonance that goes out for people to reconnect. There are people who are so lost, people who are so disconnected, people who are so away and just looking for an invitation that all is forgiven you don't have to jump through the hoops. Let's just, let's just reconnect. And that's what God has called us to do. Romans chapter four, 14 verse 1 says, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything. Another man's faith, uh, <clears throat> but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. But God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. And and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. This is where we got to give space to one another to walk this thing out. There are things that God has drilled in on your life and all of a sudden you begin to take that conviction and if you're not careful, you'll begin to push that off on everybody else. Let God lead you and let God lead the next person. Yes, there are standards, yes, there are things that are clearly lined out in the scriptures, but the Holy Spirit leads us in the way that we will go. And we've got to give room for God to lead each person the way they are wired. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 says, We proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. And to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. It's not our energy. We're called to rest. It's him. It's him that works in us. Folks, our bottom line is this. 
tr- to be able to truly love is only found in Christ. It's only found in Christ. We can't do it ourselves. We cannot. We'll wear ourselves out. But when we allow the love of God to work in us and through us, it changes everything. It changes everything. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.